Hey, thanks for listening to Replayable, a podcast where we talk about current media within a game concept. Beware, there will be spoilers ahead. So what was the the hook that sort of drew you into it besides it just being a movie you were watching? Yeah, so I think I might I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but my background, my first degree was Japanese and Japanese mm-hmm. pre-modern literature. So what I found hooked me was when they started bringing the which actually happens quite early on, but they start going through like they showing like the Shinto rituals and the craftsmanship of creating the ribbons and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I felt there was a part of this movie that was maybe talking about preservation of those traditions. Mm-hmm. And that, that really got to me. That really interests me just because there's, there is like a, a really strong sense of lineage when it comes to certain crafts. So the fact that their grandmother was trying to pass them on, they mentioned that the son, Mitsuha's father was a politician and mm-hmm. he quit the shrine. Um, just that sort of sense of duty and responsibility. And once again, preservation really interested me because there is I would say in the film a theme of preservation and disappearance because it happens a few times where they discuss traditions disappearing Mm -hmm. and in some cases literally (laughs) disappearing yeah so yeah that that is what hooked me that's where I was like okay this is like a serious thoughtful movie Mm -hmm. for myself visually the stylization in regards to how they the studio had set up the color palettes the lighting Mm -hmm. like everything as you say it's the thing that hooked you was this sort of lineage and like this craftsmanship in a way of tradition and in regards to how they were yeah how the culture is but it really shows and sings through like in this film as well where they really go into a lot of visual depth and detail and interest and i was just like oh cool But I think for me, the hook is when, I don't know what it is. Maybe it's because I grew up with A-Team and all this stuff. But Mm. when they started actually working together and keeping a journal on their phones of what was going on, I was like, oh, this is cool. Yeah, that was really cool. Yeah, it was just like, I was like, oh, cool. They don't know each other in this odd way. They're inhabiting each other's bodies, but then they're trying to figure out the situation and essentially fill the other person in. I like that kind of you're stepping into almost like I'm here. I know everything, but what happened previously? And I thought that was almost like a little segue in the beginning where people are talking to Mitsua about, oh, you're acting really weird yesterday. She's like, what are you talking about? It's like, oh, you forgot what you're talking Like, they're mentioning all this stuff to her. And she's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And then it dawns upon her, like, wait a minute, there's something happening here. Yeah, that was, I think that was like my main hook. Yeah. In regards to your name, actually, maybe we should roll it back here. So what we're reviewing is your name. It is an animated film. The director is Makoto Shinkai. And he, yeah, he wrote it based off a novel. And Clark Cheng did the English script uh, translation 
from Japanese. And essentially, it is a story that revolves around two individuals that are linked through a situation somewhat unbeknownst to them in a way that has an effect on both their lives because they're both switching bodies. And it sounds odd, but it comes across as like very endearing in regards to when the movie carries on from that point. But it revolves around a natural disaster that happens to Matsua's uh, town of Itomori. Yeah, I was like, oh no, I forgot the name of the town. <laughs> so... Yeah, it's very interesting in regards to how they hem and twine everything together in regards to how the characters are joined. Yeah, so that's... Uh, oh, and it's won a ridiculous amount of awards. I can't even... Like, it's uh, Annie Awards in 2017, Best Animated Feature, Independent, Outstanding Achievement in Directing and Animation and Production for Makoto Shinkai, Asian Pacific Awards, Nominee for Best Animated Feature, Asian Film Awards Best Screenwriter nomination, uh, winner of Best Original Score, Best Director, uh, Best Picture for Asian Film Critics Associated in 2017, Austin Film Critics Best Animated, and it just goes on like I'm scrolling down this list. Nominee Blue Ribbon Awards 2017, nominee for Best Animated Film Empire Awards in UK. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, IGN Summer Movie Awards 2017 nominee for Best Animated Movie. London Film Festival 2017 official competition like for Best Film. LA, like this, it's just, it has such uh, a long tail, whether it has been a winner or nominated for a Best uh, Director, Best Animated Film. And I did not know about this until... It was actually recommended to me, but yeah, it's quite good. It's really highly recommended. If you had to pick one narrative that was the most important that you feel drives through the entire story, what do you think that it would be? That's a really good question. I think there's a bunch too. Um, I'm going to say that this idea of connection, there was a, there was a huge scene where the grandmother, Mitsuha's grandmother goes talks about unions and connections and how everything is connected very shinto like the idea that even drinking something like water or something is mm -hmm. another form of union i think we talked did we talk about it before where so in shinto everything has a little god that lives inside of it so everything has a soul of some sort like a spirit mm -hmm. a literal god in this case so there is like a respect for things in the world and nature mm -hmm. and everything and then that 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 notion of connection or union carries through the literal imagery of the red thread once again japanese belief or a, yeah i would call it a belief or a superstition but two people like soulmates are connected with a red string of fate and they had that literal red string or red thread of fate in the the woven the hair tie that mitsuha wears and passes on to Taki that is literally connecting them and at the very beginning of the film when you see this flash that becomes important later of her the thread going from her to him when she's handed it off to him that is that literal image of this red string of fate connecting them <laughs> so I would say that that is the main theme to me I no Japanese culture from a stereotypical outsider standpoint where I appreciate the culture. I appreciate 
the obviously the video games. But yeah, as you say, I think you are correct. And it harkens true in regards to the movie with everything that happens. And I think that point that you brought up that everything has a soul clicked in my head, actually. I was going to go with the layman's, it, the connection that goes through is love. But I think that is a part of mm. it. But I'd say the and greater connection is mm. essentially that almost not adherence, but knowing that everything has its purpose. And that idea, yeah, I think that really rings through is connection. And you can only have, I think everything else from that falls off, becomes a, falls out from that. Love is connection. Everything goes back to connection. So I think, yeah, I definitely would agree with that 100%. Yeah. Um. And then what I, so I actually did watch the dub yesterday. I did not have the attention span for uh, <laughs> watching it subtitled. It happens. So I don't know what it would be like in Japanese because I watched the dub. But a lot of the things that I mentioned would also be so part of the, you wouldn't need to explain the red string of fate. Mm -hmm. For example, showing that film in, a, in Japan, because it's just part of just ingrained in the culture and like some of the things that they were doing would be so ingrained in the culture mm -hmm. that I don't know if they would need to spend the time with explanation. So I'm not sure if the dub took that time to explain some of the things that were happening. I would be really, I'm interested in maybe going back and watching it again one day in Japanese. Mm -hmm. I did. I got an English dub. From my understanding, I remember they were, they had that discussion about time and its relevance and how their history was destroyed at one point. But in regards to what they did still carried forth in the rituals. And that's why they were important when the grandmother was weaving those bracelets, I believe. And yeah, I think bracelets are, are strings of some like strings, a woven yeah. string. I'm actually not mm -hmm. sure exactly what those are. Yeah, for layman's terms, I think I said bracelet because I am sort of... Wears it as a bracelet. Exactly, Taki, yeah. And yeah, I thought that was very interesting because it does definitely harken back to almost like the the main binder of the film in regards to what they're trying to convey with the situation that takes place well yeah so, like the weaving like weaving their timelines yeah because i think how it happened was when she was at the temple maybe the potential inciting and maybe been un unbeknownst situation was when she was yelling out to oh she wanted to come back she wanted to be reincarnated as a tokyo boy life she said which i thought was really interesting mm -hmm. i like i wondered why she chose boy in mm -hmm. particular or at least yeah once again in the dub could it be because she was having those dreams and she thought that those the the dream life that she thought she was living was much more interesting than her own oh that's a good question i also did wonder if it had anything to do with gender roles because it happens right after she does that Shinto performance, making the, what is it, Kamikuchi, Kuchikami, Kuchikami Sake, I assume is an act performed by Miko, the female priestess <laughs> Yeah, and I remember, I think some of her classmates were they like- They saw her and they yeah. like were teasing her and saying, oh, that's gross. I would never do that. Yeah, and it's like maybe her feeling that she's bound to all this tradition because of her gender role, that if she came- back as like somebody who didn't have any connections to anything maybe that sort of conceived notion of being separated yeah 
from or maybe it? she just tried to pick the thing that was the most different than what she currently is. Yeah, I, I did wonder about that. Mm-hmm. Even before like she started doing the swapping, I was like, interesting. She chose a Tokyo boy, like rather than a Tokyo girl. Yeah, yeah. Just move me to Tokyo. But yeah, no, I thought that was interesting. I guess in regards to who do you think the age demographic this relates to? I think this I think that this could be appealing to all ages. But I feel that the age demographic is probably like teen young adult because it is a story about teens. Mm-hmm. And so people who are teens or were just teens. But then I also do feel that older adults like myself, just pure adults, <laughs> I guess we can call them. I think they could also find some like feelings of nostalgia in there that could uh, that could make them part of that demographic as well. Yeah, I agree with you where I feel like this is definitely for everyone. It's so well done. And I know that we talked about it in previous uh, podcasts where... I really enjoy when a director or in a film or in a piece of art includes the viewer and respects their intelligence. And I really feel like this did a great job of uh, conveying a story through a very complex, obviously uh, fantastical nature, but doing it in such a way that it included the viewer and takes them along for the ride. Yeah, I just, it's so. It's so well done. I just think anybody can relate. I definitely hold no barriers towards if they make it, if they remake this and it's same sex, it doesn't, doesn't really bother me. I think like that aspect, that connection, maybe taking the one off of like love is always in, in search of itself. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it, it doesn't matter who the protagonists are within this. Oh, definitely. Um, this could have been an adorable queer story. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, I have to admit, I actually thought, okay, the date, Mitsuha, was Taki. <laughs> she, what was her name? She almost tried to set him up in a relationship with Miss <laughs> Okudara. And so there's a date that happens between Taki and Miss Okudara, and you know, she notices that he seems different because obviously the person that she was developing feelings for was actually Mitsuha and Taki's body Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. Taki his focus it seemed like at that point because she says hey you like someone and in this case I think it's Mitsuha but Mitsuha was really sad about the date and I initially thought that maybe she was falling in love with Miss Okudera Mm -hmm. But now, like, now knowing what I know, maybe it was actually Taki that she was feeling jealousy, perhaps, for? <laughs> I think, um, yeah, it does definitely leave, like, a, an open-ended kind of question there. But I do, I think maybe just based off of the story, in a sense, because it is a story about connection, it is also a story about love that they both were always in this realm of no i want to be single i want to be single i'm not really bound to any sort of relationship this sort of perspective i think taki was very much about that and i think she in a way was being herself but then also maybe playing the role of this tokyo boy and this tokyo boy he sees this girl that everybody likes she's a girl she can relate on a level 
more naturally and not be bewildered by attraction. I think sometimes that happens when, when looks are involved. And yeah, maybe she was just like, okay, I'm going to get Taki this date. But then Taki himself would never, he would have never evolved it to that degree because I don't think he ever wanted to be in a relationship really, because I think it was almost like his framing was, he was looking for something. I'm looking for something that is more inherently aligned with that connection that he had. And obviously the body switching and stuff like that, I think that in a way he was like this girl and even this feeling of that generally started to, or that started to take place, this feeling and connection with this town, this place that he needs to find. Cause when he feels, when he finds the place, he's going to find the girl. It's like, and I think that was his potential arrow. So anything else is almost irrelevant to a degree, but yeah, when she successfully got them to go out on that date, yeah, she started bawling and it was just like, oh, wow. It's she's going against maybe the inherent connection that she has with him. She could be messing up the, whatever potential they could have together to a degree. Like I'm not, I'm not exactly sure, but it was almost like of a very raw nature in that sense that she doesn't know why she's crying, right? But it's almost like she doesn't have the words to explain why that is happening to her. But I think maybe in a way she emotionally has an understanding of why it's happening to her. Yeah. But then again, she could, maybe she's, yeah, I'm a Tokyo boy and I wanted to go on a date with this girl. But then again, I think the story in regards to it's as it flows through, you do realize that they are connected to one another very strongly through this experience. Yeah. Um, and I do wonder, um, like, I don't know exactly, I guess in a way she, like, what causes them to be connected? Like, she's three years in the past, mm -hmm. and when she gives him that thread, but she wouldn't have given them that thread if she, they weren't already connected. Was it random, I wonder? I, I don't know. She, the thread, she actually, even though she was three years in the past, remember, she went to find him. She's, I want to find this boy. And she found the boy on the subway. She was running around Tokyo. And she ran into him and this is Taki, this is him, but he doesn't know who she is no. because they haven't in his sort of line of uh, timeline, he hasn't experienced. Yeah. He hasn't met her yet. Place. Yeah. Yeah. So it's about what came first, the chicken or the egg. Yeah. Yeah. But she did. She's, he was like, he knew there's something there. It's mm. almost, and he knew something was of importance, but then again, he asked like, who are you? And then she's, she told him her name and tossed that thread that she, or that twine that she had care that kept her hair together to him. So mm. he kept that as something on his wrist, that this is something that is important. So I think they're always, I think maybe in a way it does definitely come back to that. She does have an affinity for him and he, for her. So that gravitas of finding yourself in someone else to a degree or finding that connection of love because it's in search of itself is a, a mainstay factor that really brought them together through a bewildering circumstance that is very different. What features technology-wise could make this game unique? So this actually, this movie reminded me of two games both by Tim Schafer. Mm -hmm. 
So there is Day of the Tentacle. Have you ever played it? I have not. Okay. So it's an adventure game and mm-hmm. it's a comedy one, but we're staying away from that thematically. But there's mm-hmm. three friends that end up getting stuck at different points of time in the same house. Mm-hmm. And they can, depending on how you interact in the past, that will affect the future. Mm-hmm. So you solve it's a click and point and click adventure game mm-hmm. and when you interact with something you solve puzzles so for example you might put something somewhere in the house for someone to find later mm-hmm. i don't i don't want to spoil any puzzles so i think that might be made up but something like that another game that he did when day of the tentacle was done with lucas arts mm-hmm. and another one that he did was broken age and that one he did with Double Fine, his studio. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you remember, but that was like a huge Kickstarter. And that one is about two two characters who are connected. And you don't know why they're connected, but you start off the the first part of the game. Oh, actually, I think you can play as either. I think you can choose who to start with. But you play through like the girl's story and the guy's story, and eventually their stories connect. So I like this idea of... So I think like something that could make this game unique, even though I named two other games, is based you play both characters and the way that their narrative sort of interacts. What could be interesting is I don't know if you would play them day to day, but it's also funny to think, hey, you wake up, you check your phone. This is what happened yesterday mm-hmm. in this this section that say you didn't play. How are you going to navigate your day? Mm-hmm. Or something to that effect. Or you wake up and you don't know who you are. You don't know where you are. And mm-hmm. you have to figure it out without drawing too much attention to yourself. Mm-hmm. That could also be really cool. So yeah. I think there's a lot of fun things you can do with this body switching aspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What is it now? There's this, okay, there's this game called State of Decay. And it's like the theme completely is not connected at all. But essentially it's like a, a team RPG in a way. And I'm paralleling oh. the same kind of idea that you have with broken age and yeah you essentially are the leader of this group and then you do all these sort of tasks to keep your group safe and mm-hmm. then some if you're playing co-op with somebody else they can then when you're offline they can then take control of characters to do tasks with you not being there and then you can boot on and then it's oh this happened or and also i think there's a mechanic where if you're away for a period of time you could come back and it's the base could be like more damaged and you might have a new group of individuals because time has passed, which I thought was an interesting mechanic. But yeah, for the aspect of this body switching, uh, because it seems it is definitely like a, a major theme that runs through this kind of story and you have to figure it out as you're going through it. And you have this detective mind. I think we were talking about this with a book, The Library, a podcast. Midnight Library. The Midnight Library, yes. Yes. Where it's like you're in this place and all of a sudden it's you got to figure out, okay, before you draw any sort of attention to yourself through maybe conversations, what have you. But I think as well, the... Remember when they're on that ridge when they found the temple and there was this, they were looking for one another and it was like this time of day where they were both in the same place, both in the same kind of general direction. They could hear each other, 
But then it was like, you could see Taki's perspective and it was like, you saw the lake in the background, it was two lakes. And then you saw Mitsuha's perspective and it was one lake. Yes. And it was this kind of like element of environmental change could be an interesting kind of mechanic to play with that could create a little bit more of a story element and, and immersion because you do see the pre and the post of what takes place maybe in this, this switching. So the things that you remember in what, oh, I just go to the store and it's like, oh, the store is gone. This part of the city is completely gone. But then you know that there's other sort of parts in and around, or maybe you're scavengering for, I don't know, maybe like story elements. So you have to go to these certain places maybe to discover those story elements, maybe in the rubble or something like this. I think also the, because there's this unbeknownst kind of draw that these characters have to these places, like Taki becomes like obsessed with essentially almost, I, I think the job interview that he was going for was almost like landscaper in a way, but he wanted to like design these landscapes that have I these. Thought like... it was, uh, sorry, I thought maybe he was trying to be an architect okay. because I don't know if you noticed in his bedroom, but he had a poster that said architect on it. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes. Um, so I felt, yeah, he wanted to design like urban landscapes. Well, actually, you know what? I wouldn't have hired him either because <laughs> what he was saying sounded like really weird. He's like, mm -hmm. I wanted, I want to describe what I want to create landscapes that survive or something. Mm -hmm. Or then I'd be like, yeah, we all do idiot. <laughs> it's, so it's I don't know. It's, yeah. It totally yeah, what you're saying totally rings true. But I think it, it also shows how far down the rabbit hole he was with his obsession. And it's like, mm. does it make sense to anybody? What are you talking about? There's this point also as well where he splits off and his friends, like this is the one also another part that I really liked, is that they're your friends when to everybody else, this person's having some sort of breakdown. Mm. But to his friends, there is no question. They're like, hey, cool, we'll go and find this town that you drew a picture of out of your mind, out of a dream that you had. There's this really, I think, authentic representation of what a real friend is. Mm -hmm. And I really thought that was... Um, Even her friends, too, when I guess it was Taki at that point, but her and Taki were both in her body trying to save the town. Mm -hmm. They just trusted her. Bingo. Man, Tessie was... Or Tessie, Tessie was such a good boy <laughs> i love him <laughs> he was like i believe you because you said it oh oh sweet boy <laughs> sweet sweet boy taki's okay but mitsuha look at this tall sweet boy yeah i think i think when you have a real genuine friend like that because yeah you're going through whatever you're something that they can't quite relate to but they know you because they know you they're like all right and I think that's in a way something that is true of a real friend. And they know that, oh, this person's doing their best. They're trying to do whatever they can to, obviously, well, in this case, they feel like a need to save the town from this comet that's passing by that everybody thinks is innocuous and it's not. And nobody else knows that. But then it's like this avenue of how do you get people to believe you and then you have well, got to do something illegal well, we're going to blow up the power station <laughs> and it's just your friends are like all right let's do this and it's um interesting because a friend at some points is supposed to play the part of devil's advocate to a degree mm -hmm. in support almost like to strengthen maybe oh what is your 
idea or whatnot. But then there's also a point where a friend is going to align with you no matter how crazy the situation mm-hmm. is. And you do it because it's like your connection with this friend. And it's a very, I think, a very powerful you know, connection of a real friendship. I think everybody has real friends in their life that are on that authentic level. And it's Mm. an amazing thing. So yeah, like both of their friends were very strong in regards to allowing these characters to almost go off the rails. But at the same time, yeah, like at the same time, it's like, well, this person's not doing drugs. This person's not like doing something detrimental to themselves. This person is in a quandary. And they're really trying to find out their direction or purpose or something that is that has very impactful. There's a magnitude to the fabric of this person that is that they're you know, struggling with. Granted, so it's like, okay, what Mitsuha was doing was like literally illegal. It blew up a power station. <laughs> yeah, but then yeah, but then it's yeah, the moralistic kind of aspect of it. And you are completely correct. But that's the thing that's interesting is uh, the one podcast that we had before the, uh, oh man, what is wrong with my brain? Sunday, that's what's wrong. Predestination. Mm-hmm. So it's essentially, she's the fizzle bomber. She's going <laughs> to blow up the power station to save all these people because I yeah. saw, and it's just like, it's, that's crazy. Okay. And it's almost like to a maybe to a what is a to a deficit that they're that supportive in that regard but yeah it's it's it wouldn't the the story wouldn't carry forward without that yeah i really like that you brought up the friends that's that was a really good point that they just (laughs) they did they had good friends yeah yeah but yeah that could be a part as well in the game mechanics of knowing how deep those relationships go like i think story is definitely a huge cord no pun intended that would have to be investigated and really shown that harkens true to the the story but i think yeah this ability to maybe even draw the player through an environment maybe it's like a big environment but because it's of a fantastical nature it would have to be through maybe and i've seen it happen before where it's oh you want to character to move in a certain direction sometimes you can have somebody banging at the door like it's the police and all of a sudden it's like oh i gotta get out of this room and then you're looking for a way out but it could be like maybe in this regard maybe it's pages in a book moving and you're like oh what's over here and then all of a sudden the pages stop and then you turn and you like this candle flickering it's like this ability to draw the visual interest to the character to move in a certain direction to bring them to another story point way to do that like a very simple way to guide a character through mm-hmm. a game is the where you want them to go are the areas with the highest contrast so oh, it yes. could be the most light for example people mm-hmm. drawn to go towards the light like i think we just instinctively feel that is the right way to go but then there's also yeah there's other barriers like having a locked door for example you can't go this way until you find the key so you know that's not the way you go yet or enemies (laughs) oh yeah yeah. if you think of a metroidvania game things will be locked behind abilities or yeah like an enemy that you just can't kill yet because you don't have the right ability yeah so i think there's definitely ways to use the environment to guide the player i just had another idea Mm-hmm. Do it, yeah. Okay, so I usually try to avoid multiplayer and co-op. I don't know why. Apparently, mm-hmm. I have no friends. But now I'm gonna bring up a multiplayer game. So, what if this was? 
okay, you'd have to trust people. So mm -hmm. it might not work because you have to trust people to to actually like respect the process. But mm -hmm. what if this was a game where you play one day and then someone plays the next day, and then the idea is in the game you the only thing you can do is leave notes, Ooh. or the other person who's playing. <laughs> and the problem though with this, I think it would work really well as a mobile game, which is another <laughs> thing I would never suggest because I am not a mobile gamer. <laughs> But I thought about like when you play like words with friends and you could take your turn and then the next player could take their turn like court on their time. Mm -hmm. So what if this is a mobile game where you could only leave like notes to each other and maybe each session would be short, like maybe each day would maybe be like 10 or 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't know if that's too long, but y yeah, I think like a 15 minute loop and then you do your day mm -hmm. and then your friend would log on later or whenever they have time and they would do theirs and then leave you notes and you would basically try to solve this mystery together mm -hmm. by just passing it back and forth on your phone. I mm -hmm. think that could be fun, and maybe you could play it, uh, and, and the, like maybe you could play it with a friend. But I would also put out the option to play with a stranger because I think that would really be even more of the authentic experience of communication mm -hmm. between two people who don't know each other going through something together. Mm -hmm. I, I do that idea. It's definitely I think when it comes to playing with the elements of the unknown and the exploration aspect of being a gamer and even just wanting like a unique experience. I think that could be, yeah, definitely very interesting. I do. I do like that idea. Journey um, did it too, where you're playing with someone that you don't know. They just show up in your game and they can guide you. And yeah. they can't speak, but it's almost like their presence lets you yeah. know that. Uh, All they can do is give you that little symbol, that little bloop bloop symbol. And that's how you know that they're there, how they communicate with you. It's very, like all they can do is signal they can't and there's not even different types of signals there's just the one so <laughs> yeah it's yeah. really cool yeah it's almost like you begin to if you give too much information away you could ruin what's going what the story is or what you're trying to say but it's it's that measure of like how much information can you give but then it's almost like your presence within itself is letting the person know that you're moving in you're in the right you're moving in the right direction it's all good yeah no i think that's a really cool and i do like that idea and yeah for it being like a cell phone game it definitely you have to sort of i guess now it's the next thing what is it what are you trying to solve what are you trying to do but i think the premise is very interesting as a mechanic but that discovery premise is always really cool i find yeah how would you empower the player you want me to go you go I first like, yeah <laughs> Because yes. I'm always like, Amanda on the spot, Amanda on the spot. Like, no, that's okay. Go <laughs> ahead. Yes, please. Maybe for, you know, simplicity's sake, I'm always like a sucker for when it's a really good story. I want to know more. And I think it's interesting to, okay, case in point, when I was playing Deus Ex and uh, you can, you have all these abilities and you can super power up your character and get all these weapons, whatever. But I was obsessed with hacking. I was obsessed. And what I would do is I would just sneak around and hack every computer to find out more of the story. And I okay. think that was, for me, I was like, this is cool because it's like, there's this dialogue going back and forth. There's this bus that's going down. This guy knows about it. This guy's reading in on their emails that these two are talking about. There's all this sort of like 
interest in regards to this backstory of this police station trying to track down who the potential, you know, dirty cop is. Mm-hmm. But there's this environment, there's this entire ecosystem that is within the police station of these people trying to either solve problems or somebody is causing a problem. And it's very interesting to see this sort of backdrop. You're very curious about everything that the relationships and whatnot that are going on. And also the the cool stuff that you could get. The combat, I wasn't really too into like I was, but then usually it's if you're in combat and if it's not quick or stealthy, Mm -hmm. you've done it wrong. So it's, you die really quick. And I was like, "Uh, I just want to like hack stuff and open up doors and do things in the environment that are interesting so i think in this regard if you're swapping places it yeah if they do turn into two detectives at one degree trying to find where each one lives and maybe that is a sort of a plot hole where they could say where are you from but it's almost like they're more interested in who are you you're in my body but that would be maybe he's i have these memories of this place need to find it and then maybe it's this aspect of i have this drawing that is of this building and then but i don't know where the building is but i see that fire hydrant in my drawing but then if i align this drawing to where it is i can see that there was a shack or whatever if he's using like a f- that's a, f- a really cool aspect actually so they would each have their own ability yeah perhaps and so his would be like art mm-hmm. to solve yeah puzzles Sorry, <laughs> I like or i, I guess or actually or actually in a way maybe that's one of the ways you could communicate with each other. So actually it would be if he's drawing in her body, Mm -hmm. then the art is left there for her as clues, (laughs) perhaps. Or maybe she's the artist and it's, she's leaving drawings for him somehow. Mm -hmm. And he has to match up these drawings to find out maybe there's notes there maybe there's you know something there prove mm-hmm. to me that tell me something that nobody else would know or something and they have to find this place and then oh there's this guy who owns the the bookstore here you you bought or borrowed this book blah 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 maybe he had mm-hmm. a record or something and then the person's like oh my god this guy knows that about me nobody else would know that i'm signing out these books at this bookstore but because she's leaving drawings of these things it's there's almost like that synergy of connection again of this person is yeah unique to me and in in my experience there's always a certain point in story where it's like when you have that was it face off with john travolta and his counterpart yeah it's like he would do this thing to his wife and she knew based on this thing that this i know who you are but my face is different so it's this kind of seed. So yeah, like I think, anyways, back to the aspect, I think it's it'd be cool, yeah, to give more story. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really, that's a really neat idea. So are you talking about it being more like a collectible than, say, a gameplay element? I'd say probably more of a, a gameplay element. Because it's so like, not just like lore building, it's actually... Ooh, actually, potentially, if it like is... Like you love lore. The, <laughs> yeah, yeah, everybody loves it to a degree. Yeah, but like if it's if it revolves around the story and it pushes the story plot forward, then I think it'd be more so about yeah, about the the game and the story in the game as opposed mm. to the world that you're in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I think that's a great idea. I really like it. I'm gonna steal <laughs> it. That's my answer now too. Did you actually want to 
we're on the same page on that or yeah i have to admit i didn't have an idea for it <laughs> i like this one though i like this idea that maybe that they both have different or yeah like just a way to change the gameplay depending on who you are like maybe they both have different things that they are skilled at Mm-hmm. that they bring to the table mm-hmm. so maybe she takes photos and maybe he draws or maybe yeah. she's really good at sewing she fixed that oh door. yeah she is good at sewing like maybe there's some element like that like an ability that one has that the other does not that can help push forward like maybe there's certain puzzles that you can't solve unless you are the other like one or the other person oh that's really cool i like that i like that a lot actually and so like when a player gets stuck maybe and then when the next person switches and actually that could be a way to keep it going maybe there are okay you know how i said it would be like a game where you take turns playing Mm -hmm. but maybe there are two characters So like there's player A and player B and you basically you start off as one Mm -hmm. and then you spend a 15 minute loop as the main, your main person. Mm -hmm. And then the next 15 minute loop, you swap, you go to bed and you dream that you're the other person. Mm -hmm. But then you go back. So while each player, so if you were playing, say, simultaneously by side by side, Mm -hmm. you could each do your 15 minute loops. Mm-hmm. at the same time but then there's also i think there could be also an element of still the taking turns so if you're not playing at exactly the same time you could finish your time hand it off but then you aren't you don't have to stop then you could do your day next so mm-hmm. you're guaranteed like 30 minutes of gameplay with each sitting which could be good for a mobile game because mobile games are all about keeping you checking back each day yeah so maybe that's one of the notes you would leave so say you're playing during your day and you're like oh shoot i need to solve this by sewing that could be like a hint or a note that you leave hey can you come over here and do this (laughs) when you play and then the following day you could come back and you could see if they did it or not if they didn't do it maybe you'll like hint harder yeah i think that could be a really neat aspect (laughs) yeah a neat mechanic i mean depending if you're like yeah, I guess how your problem solving challenges or I, I guess in my mind, I'm also thinking like if the other person can jump really high, then they could get up to certain like parts of the environment to get certain things. And the other person literally has no clue of, oh, I didn't even know he could get up into that area, but the other person has yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. So yeah, maybe, yeah, we can, I was thinking more like skills, but yeah, if we want to bring like different sort of physical skills into it depending on what this game looks like i think yeah both mechanics could work the same way and then maybe i don't know do we want to go full ham into a co-op experience or do we want to be like okay yeah you could play this solo but you lose oh the other half yeah 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 that's the thing it's tough because like how should we force the co-op aspect how would you feel if you were, there was a game, there are games out there where you can only play them co-op, mm-hmm. I think. I feel like you couldn't play It Takes Two with just one person. I think you need to have two people there. I think they they were like, this is our vision, we're committed to it. 
Yeah, it definitely depends on the the experience. But I guess the other kind of metrics are which can maybe detract a little bit. It's like, how much will it sell? All these other sort of aspects. And it's important that it sells, obviously. But then if it's like a very unique experience and that experience almost sells itself, that's probably pretty cool as well. But yeah, if you're steadfast in regards to how you designed it and you want it to be definitely a two-player co-op game, then by all means, it's however you choose to go about that. I think it's almost like ringing true to the art form of what you want to happen is important. So yeah. Yeah. How would you develop this game to make it a little bit more inclusive? I think <laughs> choosing your gender. Yeah, I think you should be able to choose the gender. Oh, okay. Actually, because that can that that could impact story in a way. Could but uh, yeah, I don't think I don't know. I don't think yeah, I don't think it has to be. It, I, once again, it depends on. There's some there's some stories that are driven by a character, mm-hmm. like the Tomb Raider. That character is Lara Croft. You are her. Mm-hmm. So if this one here, if we want it to be just player A and player B, I think it would be really neat if the person could choose who their player is. And, mm-hmm. but I think there are certain things that need to, there still does need to be a player A and a player B. So I think the setting will stay the same, whether you choose A or B and the abilities will stay the same. But when you're in that role, you can, like, maybe there's a vague description, like maybe one is Tokyo student or Tokyo or country, let's say mm-hmm. city or country, you could be city mouse or country mouse. <laughs> And, but then once in that role, you can choose your like gender and appearance and that could be cool. Yeah. Yeah. I I think we're definitely on the same page with that as well. I pretty much had the same sort of mm-hmm. perspective. Yeah. I don't know why some people would find that difficult. They're like, oh, what was you? But whatever. That's another conversation for another. Like I said, it depends if there's a story, like you want a character, like this character is, but a Mass Effect did it. Like you had Shepard. <laughs> and it was Shepard, could be a guy or a girl. Then there's things like, yeah, like I said, like Tomb Raider, like you have a character. Does she need to be Lara Croft? Can't. There's something, because I feel like, and I could be wrong, I have to give it some thought, so don't drag me. But I feel like there is something about creating a character and committing to that character. And sometimes modular characters can feel like they lack depth to me. Because mm-hmm. they're like, we want to include everyone, so we're going to basically create no one. <laughs> and sometimes there and there are certain places where that 100% that works. Like Shepard still has a personality. Literally, like you don't really change that much. You just <laughs> change their appearance. So maybe that is just a solution. But then there's games like Last of Us. <laughs> Your guys' favorite. Yeah. I can't remember the dude's name, but I remember Ellie. Like, those are two characters. You don't change those characters. That's them. Mm-hmm. This is their story. Or Kratos in God of War. He's a character. Very true. Very true. His stories. I think there is a benefit to creating the character because then you really control the narrative. You really control. And sometimes I want that. I have to admit, sometimes like, like Alloy, for example, as mm-hmm. well. Once again, another person that's a character. You don't change her. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah. 
it's you can really double down on the character archetype that you're trying to convey Mm -hmm. sometimes when it's like too open maybe you might not get those pairings of strong uh, character type when you're trying to tell a story yeah i guess i always picture everything everything could just be like uh cyberpunk where you just pick your gender whatever it depends upon the, the articulation of like character creation yeah so i guess this i don't know how this would work but boss fight is that even is that is it even a thing in this game I guess in this case, it's saving the world or saving this town. So using both of your abilities to save, I don't know. Are you just, so that's another thing is you have to make the characters care about Mm -hmm. the one character who is going to die. Mm -hmm. So I I feel like without that emotional connection, there might not be much desire to save this town so that somehow we have to like something i I like this event that happened Mm -hmm. and now you're trying to just basically change the past that is really cool to me would it be the same i don't know same how like same Same, like would it be the same event and do we give them an infinite amount of loops to solve it yeah or is it finite Maybe certain loops to solve, maybe teaching moments. Can uh-huh. you get the mechanic down? Maybe there's like certain loops for that. But yeah, if it's... When they... the game starts for real, it's like you have three days until... Yeah. I would say more than three days. I would say you have a month mm-hmm. to solve this catastrophic event. Like Life is Strange as well. No, that one doesn't get solved. But something catastrophic is going to happen. It creates agency within the character to want to do these things. And depending on, yeah, how you convey those ideas. Usually, if it is in in a game format, you're generally, you want to start doing that. But yeah, you want to definitely see the motive for the reasons why you're doing that. And yeah, I think giving it a time parameter can create agency. And I think that definitely can be very interesting because Mm -hmm. then, as do you set it up so as time becomes closer let's ratchet it up the tension is it designed to it takes three days and you're essentially tricking the player that they have to like okay you gotta do this you know that they can do it within that certain time parameter so it creates that angst and that tension or what if it's something if it's like a story plot where it takes three days but you only have two and then somehow you're just like in the middle of doing something and then you know it breaks the situation happens and then just oh my god but i thought i had this much more time but then it's like a story moment of this is what happens next and then you're like oh wow that's weird and i thought the game was there's always mm. that sort of aspect of that fear where the pair's like oh did i do it wrong is the game over and then you're like oh no wait a minute i, I was doing it right it's just the story carries on in, in a different sort of sense that's always interesting yeah do you think that this game would serve would do service if it had crossover with other properties like in regards to dlc or do you think it just having its own dlc and what would that be i think just its own dlc maybe it might be cool to have i guess if you can change outfits and stuff (laughs) that could be fun so like maybe and that could also be like a fun way to treat your counterpart if you like have photos and oh hey they're wearing that costume that's cute that could be really neat so maybe like some cosmetic crossovers but yeah i think do you have dlc on mobile games i really don't play mobile games i don't know i think you get patches maybe 
but yeah DLC maybe is... or but yeah i guess that's the thing about mobile games though too is that they're all about monetization so yeah. i guess there would have to be mm-hmm. some like either god i hate this and it's annoying <laughs> but in the spirit of mobile games you could only play a certain amount of loops until you run out of tokens and then you got to build up your tokens or you can buy yeah. tokens oh i hate it i hate it but <laughs> that is a way yeah that's true because i guess it is you're playing the game for free so therefore how do you keep it playable yeah but if it not being i think it would be interesting as Maybe it's, there's certain disasters. Maybe it's, oh, this one's like a meteor hit. Maybe this one is like a tsunami. Maybe this one is like a tornado. Maybe it Mm. could be these kind of, I don't know, maybe it becomes too campy then. It's, oh, I'm on the tornado, you know, your name. But maybe there's different two brothers or maybe two sisters or something like this. And they're switching bodies and and it's, they have to, for them to see each other again, Mm. they have to do something. Or maybe the one sister's, I want this person to obviously live and for that, I'm switching places with that person. So they'll pass away, but the other person will live. And then it's like the sister and this person will get to know each other. And then something, I don't know. It, it just could be different parameters for what is unveiled within the story that, that they're presented in. Yeah, I guess for this, uh, I had this thing that I wanted to say in regards to my experience with your name when watching it the first time. So it breaks you in a way that you can make something new. And I think because of its authenticity in mm. trying to tell the story, great art, great things that create interesting narratives and interesting perspectives that ring true to like the human story, mm-hmm. it almost wakes you up to a degree. Like we're only here for a very short period of time. And it's what are you, what are we doing yeah. with that time? And I think... I find even watching it again, it almost wakes you up. Life is, you can make it very mundane or you can make it very interesting because time is like, time and life is finite. So it's like, how are you living it as like a person? And I think it, I like the fact that it has a challenging, there's certain challenging narratives that you can gleam from what's going on there. The value of friendships, the value of relationships, the value of being you know, even authentic to your own journey mm. and being relentless in regards to your pursuit of the things that you want to do and you want to experience. I really did. Yeah, I really enjoyed the the movie. It's definitely up there in regards to top 10 movies that, that I really enjoy. I like that it's thought provoking. Yeah, yeah, thank you for suggesting it. It was, yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, yeah. I think it's a sort of like this vein that we're on right now, which is very interesting. So in a way, it like suggested itself. I'm just the the vessel for, <laughs> I knew some things and hey, maybe you might like this. So it's cool. It's very cool. Replayable was created by Darian McRae. Our co-hosts are Jennifer Owen and Amanda Preparzi. Thank you for listening. For ideas on future episodes, please contact us at ideas at replayablepodcast.com. <laughs>